Welcome to episode 153 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Last week I discussed the assignment that I did in a small town called Joboji in the Iwate Prefecture, some 650 or so kilometers north of Tokyo. I was to shoot on the Wednesday and Thursday, but uh, with it taking a good seven hours to drive up there, I needed a day for travel, and I also don't sleep well in lodgings or hotels on the first night, and because I wanted to be relatively fresh for the shoot, I actually headed up there a day early, so I travelled on the Monday and spent the whole day on Tuesday just sort of driving around the area looking for interesting shots. Today we're going to take a look at a number of images from this Tuesday with one last image of a cute little frog that I spotted while shooting the assignment on the Thursday. So as I expected I slept pretty badly on the first night. Despite going to bed early enough to get up at the crack of dawn and still be fresh the dog at the lodgings was barking much of the night and my usual uh, not being able to sleep easily in a strange place uh, really got a hold of me. Because of this, I stayed in bed an extra 30 minutes or so longer than I would usually, uh, but I still got up at around 5am. Um, I say usually, usually meaning when I'm, when I'm going to be out at the crack of dawn. Uh, obviously, depending on what time the sun comes up, but um, I, I really needed to be up uh, 30 minutes or so more or earlier uh, to be able to get out there for the for the sunrise, and I just sort of figured that, you know, I'd, I'd reconnaissance the area uh, the day before. Didn't see anywhere that I was too worried about uh, trying to get a sunrise shot itself. Um, so I just sort of took the opportunity to spend an extra thirty minutes in bed. Um, the first image that I wanted to look at is number one eight eight seven, and this is a view from the main road that runs through the small town. The heat of the sun hitting the dew on the rice shoots was already starting to cause haze to build up in the hills as we can see in the background there. This uh, broken shack that we can see in the you know, little structure in the foreground there uh, caught my eye and there was also a man sort of trimming the grass at the edges of the paddies. My uh, extra 30 minutes or so in bed was hitting me hard here though um, as you can see the light already was starting to get pretty harsh and uh, it was only 6.30am when I shot this. This is one of the things that take, does really take its toll when shooting in Japan. The sun comes up so early in the summertime. Uh, th there's been talk of implementing daylight saving time for years uh, but it never really seems to get done. I'm not bad at getting up early myself, so it's not usually a big deal as long as the barking dogs and the unusual surroundings don't keep me awake at night. I cropped tightly here by, um, you know, basically what I wanted to do was to avoid getting the sky in above the top of the, the hills in along the top of the shot there. The sky was very bright, even through the haze, and I didn't want to battle with the contrast in the frame. And they also just simply like tight cropping, as you probably already know. I stopped down to f11 with my 70 to 200 millimeter f2.8 lens here, and used a shutter speed of 160th of a second at ISO 100. 
I had not had time to even take a look at the map of the area before leaving Tokyo, so was really just fishing for shots here. I got back in the car after the last uh, the last shot and drove back through the town, wait, uh, waiting sort of or hoping for something to sort of make me want to take a side road. That happened when I saw a, a road sign for a town that I think is pronounced Ideru, and the reason that. Uh, it caught my eye was because the the name of the town written uh, was written with one character um, that's usually uh, red um, as like deru, which means to come out, but it can also be red or to you know to to go out or to 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 come out, and it can also be read as ide, and that that in itself is no big surprise. But then the second character in the name of the town was katakana, which is a like a phonetic alphabet that's used for Spelling out loan words or foreign, you know, names of foreign objects and things, um, and I'd just never seen this before. You know, the the what they call kanji characters, and then the katakana mixed together in a, in the name of a town was something I'd never seen before, and that was enough to get me uh, turned off the main road and driving along a really narrow road up into the hills. About three minutes along this road, though, I was confronted confronted with the scene that I captured in the next two shots that we'll look at. The first is image number 1888. The road was narrow, but there was a place to pull over to my left as I stood taking this shot. I must have been standing in the middle of the road um, with my tripod set up, you know, maybe for a good 10 or 15 minutes, and not a single car drove past. And, you know, it's really great just working out in the countryside here. Um, I, as you can see, the light was beautiful and the haze that had been um, sort of adding that atmosphere to the last shot was really helping to highlight the sun's rays as they pour through the trees here. It was a perfect spot. Um, I like the framing in this first shot. Um, it was partially governed though by the fact that there was a small post with a reflector sort of marking the edge of the road in the bottom right of the of the shot. And there, then um, the place that I'd pulled over to was... I'm gonna. It was it was close, but not for this for this um, portrait um, format shot. It wasn't really close, but there were as I as I moved to the next image, um, it was actually pretty close to the front of my car. So the composition was being governed by um, other things a little bit, and because the you know the place that I pulled into was so small, I couldn't really get the car back any further either. Um, but still, you know, the, this first one. Um, I, I quite like, you know, get the tall portrait format there with the sun sort of pouring in from the top of the shot. Uh, the next shot, one eight eight nine, is the uh, one where the you know the front of the car was going to be getting in the way a little bit. Um, it actually crept into the front a few of them as I tried to sort of widen the composition a little bit. Um, but basically, you know, that's a, a landscape format of the the first shot here, and. I'm I'm wondering whether it would have worked, kind of in hindsight, I'm wondering whether, whether it would have worked if I'd have panned up a little bit and shot two frames and then stitched them together to make a square or a you know a higher image than than this one, but with this sort of base. Um we know that the you know the right side of the, the frame was pretty nice there from the last shot. So I reckon I probably should have tried to do that, and it's one of those things that I'll I'll probably uh keep in mind as I, as I see similar scenes in the future. 
um, learning learning by our um, possible mistakes, I guess. Again, at F11, the shutter speed here was one eighth of a second at ISO 100. One thing to note here as well is that I've started to be more conscious of getting both a portrait and landscape format shot when possible. I've been getting the odd request for stock photography when the clients have asked um, if I have a portrait version of a landscape shot and vice versa. I rarely have kept this in mind in the past and I'm not really uh, you know, out shooting stock, shooting with stock in mind, so it doesn't bother me too much. But um, you know, I'll, I'll probably just try to keep this uh, in mind a little bit more. Usually, though, if if I think that the the image, the or you know, the the scene that I'm photographing has potential in both formats, then I will I will do I will take both shots. But um, I think I'll probably keep it a little bit more in mind moving forward as. Uh, as it seems to be something that people that are after stock images are looking for. As I started to descend um, the hills that I'd you know drove up through, um, having moved on from this where I shot the last image, I came to an open expanse where, um, well, basically, let, let's take a look at image number 1890, and you'll see what I mean. The road was wider now, and I'd uh, still only seen a few cars go past, so I pulled over as close to the curb as possible and shot this. The bright green expanse of leaves in the foreground are tobacco leaves. Apparently, Iwate is famous for uh, its tobacco farms, but I didn't know that at first, and I had to ask the lady at the lodgings uh, what these plants were. I used my Singray Color Combo Polarizer filter for this, uh, which is kind of shows up in the warm greens and the the blue sky, especially to the right of the shot as we move away from the, the sun. I'm actually thinking of getting a second, uh, they're a little bit expensive, but I'm, I'm thinking of getting maybe a second one of these color combos uh, with the 77 uh, millimeter filter thread, as I keep having to use a, a reducing filter, a filter, an adapter, um, what do they call them? Redu reducer rings or something like that. Um, basically, a, a filter that the this 82 millimeter filter goes into, and then it sort of drops it down to the 77 millimeter screw thread. Um, and I, I keep having to use that, and I don't mind messing around with that so much. But uh, what happens is when I use it with uh, some of the lenses, like the 70 to 200 millimeter, the you can't use the um, the lens hood when you when you're using the adapter. So step down rings. That's that's what they're called. Um, these so this step down ring sort of gets in the way, and you can't use the lens hood. So it's a little bit of a pain. I have to sort of you know I have to get make sure that I'm not getting sunlight hitting the front of the filter, um, and causing flare. So I'm thinking that I might just um, you know push the boat out a little bit and get a, a second 77 millimeter uh, color combo filter. I was shooting this image um, with the 16 to 35 millimeter lens, though, and that actually has a screw thread of 82 millimeter screw, screw thread of 82 millimeters. So it's uh, it's not too you know there's no problem there. Um, it's just one of those things that kind of springs into my mind when I'm thinking about this filter. I turned around and you know a little bit further down the road and headed back into Jawborgi and then. 
out through the other side of town. Again, there was uh, field after field of what I'd learned later to be tobacco plants and many rice fields too. As I searched for shots, I came across an abandoned van at the side of the road uh, that we can see here in image number 1891. Actually, I say abandoned, but uh, you know this this happens here in Japan. Um, what you know when cars are replaced, when someone buys a new car, there's little to no value for the old one, and the dealers won't um, buy the old you know the old car in part exchange, and so you usually find that um, you have to even pay to have them disposed of. And so, you know, people tend to use them, especially here in the countryside, uh, well, only really in the countryside, as a place to rest and have a break while they work in the fields. And so that's probably why this van was left under, under the tree, uh, so that it has some partial shade in some parts of the day. And then when the person that's working in the fields nearby is ready for a break, they'll come over and sit in the van. Um, I imagine this happens more on rainy days, uh, the hot days, uh, I, I don't think I'd like to be in, inside the inside there with the, without the um, air conditioning running and everything. So um, I'm I'm thinking that this happens probably more on rainy days, but it's generally like a, a makeshift hut that they use uh, for breaks rather than paying to get rid of them. And it's a little bit unsightly sometimes, but I, I thought it made a, a relatively nice shot here. And again, I used the Singray Color Combo uh, Polarizer Filter. I didn't apply the effect fully though, as it made the sky overly dark, and I actually cropped the top of this image a little, again, because the, the sky was uh, getting much darker towards the top of the shot. And that's one of the main problems with using um, polarizers with very wide angle lenses. You get such a wide slice of sky in that the polarizing effect starts to make bands of um, very different shades of blue across the sky. Again, at f11, uh, this uh, shot was made with a, uh, a shutter speed of 180th of a second and again with an ISO of 100. I continued to drive around and stopped to look at a few places, some that I shot, some that I, um, you know, I couldn't really, I shot them but I couldn't make much out of them and some that I just uh, got back in the car and moved on. One type of subject that kept catching my eye, um, but not in a situation that really lent themselves uh, to a good photograph, was lots of tall, yellow, daisy-like, uh, large daisy-like plants. And I'd stopped a few times and not shot them because it just didn't seem right. Then, as I was heading back into town, I saw one that we can see in image number 1893. What? caught my eye and what really made this uh, particular subject special was that it was on the border between sunlight and shadow and this was going to enable me um, as you can see in the shot to shoot it with a very dark background so lots of contrast there. As we can see I positioned the flower and composed the shot with a few other yellow flowers in the background um, just they're just over to the left um, just below center and I actually had to make some adjustments in Lightroom to bring them out this far even. Um, I didn't want to go any more though, I didn't want to brighten up the background in general. I wanted to be able to see them, see that there were, there were, t there were two or three other flowers in the background, um, but not make them so bright that it removes this dramatic contrast. 
For this shot, I switched to spot metering on my camera and metered the bright yellow petals on this foreground flower and then set the exposure so that the yellows were very close to the right shoulder of the histogram, but not touching it, of course, which would have meant that they were blowing out. I turned on highlight priority as well, so that I could capture as much detail in these highlights against the dark background as possible. One other thing that I've found, um, but can't remember if I've, I've mentioned this or not in an earlier podcast, but when using live view, the histogram and doesn't really give you that accurate representation of the scene until you hit the depth of field preview button. I've, of course, because of that, I've started to get into the habit of using the depth of field preview button much more when using live view. Um, it's obviously it's got its uses otherwise, but when using live view, I use it quite a lot now just to make sure that I'm I'm getting the exposure right as I'm adjusting it. And that's because I'm, I'm using live view to also check the histogram before tripping the shutter as well. As I've mentioned before, I'm, I'm using it uh, for focusing a lot these days too, but this particular shot uh, was, you know, I'd set this up and the, the flower itself was swaying around a lot in the wind. So uh, that wasn't the case here. I wasn't using it for focusing, but just really making sure that I'd got the uh, exposure how I wanted it before tripping the shutter. I was using the 24 to 70 millimeter f2.8 lens for this, by the way. The ISO was 200 uh, because, as I say, I was in highlight priority mode, and that becomes the lowest ISO that you can select. And the aperture was f4 with a shutter speed of 1 400th of a second. It was, uh, let's see, 9.45 a.m. when I shot this last image, and I didn't really shoot much more this day. I drove... Um, a long way back along the river, uh, either sides through the town. There, there's a river that runs through, and I was looking really for somewhere, a scenic spot uh, where I could also get down, uh, even if it meant walking a while away. But there just wasn't really anywhere um, that you could get down to easily. And so, yeah, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I wanted to look at um, you know one more shot before we finish and this was really uh you know the for that for that first day we, that was pretty much it the last shot that I wanted to look at was from the Thursday and this was when I was shooting the assignment that we looked at last week the image is number 1894 as I was shooting the lacquer scratching craftsman I noticed that this little guy sitting on a leaf just inside the undergrowth this is a a tree frog native to Japan. The Japanese word for this frog, amagairu, is basically translates as a rain frog, which I kind of prefer to tree frog. It just sounds cuter. Um, they're pretty common here in Japan, so it wasn't much of a surprise to see him. But as I, uh, you know, as I'd found him, I couldn't resist dropping the macro lens on and shooting a few frames before going back to work. This is a little soft actually, as I didn't uh, have my tripod with me and you know I, I was sort of probably swaying around a little bit as I leant into the undergrowth. But it's acceptably sharp and so I decided to upload it to my gallery. I actually scared this little guy back a little bit and he was on the foreground, the leaf in the foreground there when I started to compose the shot and he jumped back and then sort of swung around again to keep an eye on me as I loomed in closer. 
The ISO was set at 400 and the aperture was 3.5, f3.5 for this, with a shutter speed of one, uh, 125th of a second. I like this photo personally because it's just a reminder of the natural surroundings in which I was fortunate enough to be shooting the assignment up, up there in Joboji, so far away from my Tokyo home. So a relatively quick one this week, I hope you enjoyed the photos and the few tips that I interwove in there. I wanted to quickly mention that on request from the MVP community I've customised our gallery at mvpgalleries.com where many of you are sharing your work as well as, well as um, you know, using that, we use that gallery to upload our assignment images. I've changed the code so that the site doesn't display the name of the photographer in the image information section when the image is one that's in the active assignment album. Many people thought that this would be better and I had a few minutes yesterday so I decided to do the customization. Now, you'll, what, what will happen is from now on you'll only be able to see the photographer's name after voting is completed and the albums have been uh, opened up for comments and rating etc. Uh, it won't be visible while uploading or voting uh, on the images for the assignment. We won't do this, uh, this next part that I'm going to say, we won't do this for the um, shadows assignment, but I've also changed the rules so that we should not include our names in the images um, from now on either. You know, many people include, including myself, uh, include uh, a copyright with, uh, with the images and it's like either over the image or in a border. And this too will obviously give away who uploaded the image, uh, image itself, so uh, it could sway the judgment of the voter. And I doubt this, this has been a big problem in the past, but you know we can rule it out as a possibility if the name is not displayed at all. So from the following, you know, the, the next uh, assignment, I'm going to encourage people to not include their name on the photograph itself as well. As a reminder, uh, you'll be able to upload your entry for the assignment until midnight on Sunday the 7th of September. And that's just about anywhere in the world because I, uh, I make the changes on my Monday. Um, so no matter where you are, um, you'll, you know, you'll be able to upload until the end of your Sunday, the 7th of September. And then on the 8th, I will start the voting for two weeks until the end of Sunday, the September, uh, of se September the 21st. Um, and that will, you know, that, that will be when the following day after that or so will be when I announce the winner. I was pleased uh, that I could get another podcast in ready really quickly this week too. Um, it was only, it's only been two days since I released the last one because last week was so busy. Um, but um, today actually marks the third birthday of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. I think I said in the last episode that it was Sunday. I, I mentioned on Saturday that it was tomorrow and I'd forgotten that there was 31 days in August. And so, um, you know, now today, September the 1st, is actually exactly three three years after the first re uh, episode one of this podcast was released. So, once again, I just wanted to quickly thank you all for continuing to listen, as without you guys, there'd be no point in doing any of this. Thanks to all of the new listeners as well for tuning in. I've received a lot of mail rate recently, and there's been some comments in the forums as well, um, from people that have started listening and have either 
just finished or in the middle of catching up on the now pretty huge archive. I have to say that I don't envy people having so much to get through, uh, you know, to get caught up, but it's great to hear that some people are excited to find such a large stash of archives uh, to keep them going for a while as well. If you know anyone, by the way, that might also be interested in the podcast, um, please do mail out and suggest that they take a listen. I find mailing the um, iTunes subscription link from the podcast page at martinbaileyphotography.com is about the best way to get people hooked up. But whatever you do, you know, whichever way you do it, um, please sort of spread the word. Uh, every little, uh, every additional listener counts. So, uh, you know, please continue to spread the word and help others to benefit from not only the podcast, but from the great community that we've built and that you guys can continue to um, keep as what I still think is one of the best photography forums on the uh, internet. And so, you know, let's let's continue to spread the word and uh, and try and build on this. Let's wrap it up there for today, though. Uh, so with a congratulations to all of us uh, for sticking with this for three years. Uh, I'll sign off and you have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye bye. Photocastnetwork.com, your photography resource in the potosphere. Photocastnetwork.com